Jesus. 
in appearance as a man he humbled himself and he became obedient to death even death on a cross therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and even under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God our Father. We get to worship him today, amen. Lord, thank you that we get to worship you. Thank you that we get to speak what is true, your name. Thank you that we get to call on your name. We need to, we get to rest in your name, God. We get to depend on your name. Everything you are, 
we worship today and we are grateful for all that you are. Lord, I pray that this morning that the name of Jesus would be lifted above every name and that because of that, miracles would happen, lives would be changed. We love you and we give you honor today in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Hey, it's so great to see each of you today. It's a special day uh, in, in the life of our church as we celebrate the accomplishments of some young men here today. And we have a guest, which we'll introduce a little bit later, but welcome to Praise Assembly. And what we do during this time is we take a moment to just greet each other. You may be one that like goes from one end to the other. That's great. You may be one that greets those that are around you. That's wonderful too. But let's take a few minutes and greet each other today. God bless you guys. Yes, you are welcome here today. And uh, we're going to actually invite our ushers to come. We're going to receive this morning's tithe and offering. Again, another way to worship a very practical, a very effective way to worship is giving. And uh, let's pray as we prepare to do that today. Jesus, we remember uh, the, um, the many times in your word when you look at people's giving and, uh, Lord, you, you really um, commend those that give sacrificially, those that give faithfully. And I pray that today as we do that, that you would uh, just bless this offering Lord, what a privilege it is to give. And uh, we thank you for this opportunity. And we thank you for um, being able to worship you in this way. Bless this offering in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you, worship team, for your ministry to us. We appreciate it. Hey, if you are a guest here today, welcome. And uh, we have a Connect card in the front, uh, the seat back. I always mess that up. It's the seat back in front of you. And uh, if you could fill that out, bring it to our guest services table. Uh, we have a gift for you. If you could do that at the, at the end of the service, say that would be wonderful. We would really, really appreciate you doing that. Hey, a few announcements. If you got a bulletin when you came in, and uh, our greeters do a great job at taking care of people when they come in. Uh, but our annual church business meeting is the February the 26th, so that's coming up a little more than a month away. Uh, make sure you uh, mark that on your calendar. It will be fo directly following the morning service. Uh, Wednesday night Bible study, we just started last week a new series called Balanced, and uh, gaining, gaining and Maintaining Financial Stability is a topic. Wednesdays come out. We actually had a really really good crew Wednesday night. We had a bunch of people there. So come on out. It's a good time, I promise. Uh, starts at 7 o'clock. Uh, volunteers for Wednesday night nursery once a month were needed. I mean, once a month. You know, I mean, the things you could do just once a month. I mean, it's amazing how what you can, the difference you can make in just doing something once a month. That's what we're looking for. Please see Lauren Nash if you're interested in helping your member. Uh, youth ministry, we've got a couple things coming up. Uh, next Sunday, the balance is due for youth retreat. So parents, make sure you do that. Also, parents, we have our release, um, medical release forms that are out there. There's two of them, one for us as a church, and then one for Round Top uh, Mountain. Please take care of those. You can uh, have, have one of the staff put it in my box, give it to me, uh, but please take care of those. And then uh, please uh, note the midsummer, uh, midwinter, <laughs> midsummer, midwinter fun day on Monday, February 20th, because everybody heads off of school. God bless you. Have a wonderful morning. Thanks, Pastor Hans. Um, yeah, you are fighting for words this morning. Did you stay up for the whole game last night? Oh, because I knew when it was 28 nothing, Eagles were going to win, man. I just knew it. I just knew it in my heart. Actually, actually, I woke up around 2.22, actually. And took a look at the score, just to make sure. <laughs> but if you did, if you stayed up late last night, you're in trouble this morning. Actually, you're not. Um, and I wanted to say, too, if you are, if this is your first time here, if you're a guest, we don't just have a gift for you. We have gifts for you, and they're really nice. So fill out that Connect card, go to the guest services, and turn it out, turn it on your way out. And uh, I want you to know, too, that today is not our normal service. Uh, okay, we're doing something very special today, and it's a once-in-a-year you know, opportunity to feature some boys that have achieved in, in what I will tell you in a moment is the premier gender-specific mentoring program in our nation, and that's Royal Rangers. But before I do that, before we get into our gold medal achievement service, uh, at the end of that portion, we've got a great message coming for you. But I, I want, to, uh, want to point you to Titus. Paul wrote Titus. And, you know, I know we're real familiar with Timothy, and, but there are some of the little postcards, the shorter letters and epistles that Paul wrote. And even, uh, you know, even have the ones John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, Jude, little postcards, not really letters. And Titus is a little on the brief side, but in the second chapter, verse 7, Paul urges Titus, he says, in everything, in everything, set them an example by doing what is good. Set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity. And then Paul basically urges Titus to have older men instruct the younger men. It's a biblical thing. 
And that's exactly how Royal Rangers is supposed to work. Not just by adults teaching curriculum, but by adult leaders living a life that's worth imitating. Again, it's one thing to have head knowledge. It's another thing to see it in action and to make it part of your life. And Royal Rangers is the premier gender-specific mentoring program for boys and young men. And we're featuring that this morning. We're going to be featuring, as you heard, three men, three young men who have achieved the gold medal achievement, the highest level in this, in this program, in this ministry. And so I want to turn things over now to our outpost coordinator, Dwight Walters, if you would please come. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Pastor. Yeah, we spent all weekend together, so it seems like we just saw each other there. But um, So my name is Dwight Walters. I'm the Outpost Coordinator here at Outpost 284. We have a number that's assigned to us nationally. And uh, before we get started and recognize these three young men for their outstanding achievement, I wanted to share with you a little bit about what Royal Rangers is. If you've been coming here, you know it, but we have some visitors, and I wanted to take just a moment to walk through that. So Royal Rangers is an activity-based small group church ministry for mentoring future men. Just like Pastor said, we believe it is the premier ministry for doing that, mentoring young men with a mission to evangelize, equip, and empower the next generation of Christ-like men and lifelong servant leaders. Do we need that today or not? In today's world, we absolutely need that. Uh, where is it being provided? We certainly hope it is in the home with fathers doing that, but oftentimes we have uh, young men that come across our care that may not have that uh, in their lives. And even if they do, we're there to partner with them, with the fathers and the mothers and helping to raise these young men. So again, what is the gold medal of achievement? We've, you've heard that term already. The gold medal of achievement is the highest recognition for young men in the Ranger program. Uh, to advance to this level, it takes hard work application and endurance to achieve. Only about one in 100 boys earn this award that are in the Royal Rangers. So about 1%, all right? So that's kind of crazy. We have 31 that have now earned it at this outpost. And that means we would have had, if the 1% held, we'd had about 3,000 boys go through. So I think we're a little bit ahead of the 1% uh, average, which is awesome. But it is a prestigious award. That's the point. So uh, Again, let me repeat, only one in a hundred that ever go through Royal Rangers earn this award. So awesome, awesome stuff. To earn the gold medal, a ranger needs to complete all of the advancement trails of any of the two or three of the older age groups that you see up on the screen here. So uh, any of the discovery, adventure, or expedition, any combination of those two, and they earn the gold medal, but it's not that easy. It requires a total of 192 Bible lessons. Uh, reading or listening to the entire Bible, the entire Bible. Six required skill merits, which include topics like Bible doctrine, global missions, first aid, healthy body, citizenship, budget and finances, all pretty great life skills. 22 elective skill merits. They involve different other life skills and fun things that the boy enjoyed, uh, they enjoyed doing, like sports, fine arts, trades, technologies, Outdoor skills, all of these have some really great merits. Uh, whitewater rafting, golf, I mean, it gets kind of crazy. Uh, but boys love it. So each merit is four to five weekly lessons or meetings, which means years and years of work. So these guys sitting here, uh, it's just not something they did last year. They've been at it for a long, long time. They also learned the Rangers Pledge, which they will state on the stage today. So we hope they learn that, right, today. We'll see. 
All right, they learn the code, the motto, the meaning of the ranger emblem. Uh, if you wonder what that is, ask a ranger today. They'll tell you what each of these colors and points mean. So pretty awesome stuff. Um, they also need to demonstrate and share uh, with a leader how they know how to lead someone to Christ. Pretty important stuff, right? I mean, that is uh, really good uh, spiritual foundation. And finally, they participate in a capstone project. At the end, they read a book uh, called A Journey to Manhood. Uh, they go through and perform community service, and they serve in various leadership positions in their outposts. It's a lot of work. It takes tremendous persistence and discipline uh, to get through this, but the most important thing is they, that uh, as they work through it, there's a, a lot of character building going on, a ton of character building. They're learning God's Word, and they're drawing closer to Jesus. The merits and the medals are great. They're awesome. They're fun. We, I, I get enjoyment out of it, uh, seeing these guys recognized. But the main reason for the journey is really about building their relationship with Christ. It really, that's what it's about. While they take that journey, they're building relationships with incredible men and women, leaders. They're hopefully their parents and their friends and fellow rangers. So this morning, we're celebrating three outstanding young men. But before we introduce them... In person, here they are on the big screen. They are Josh Allen, Colin Vafakis, and Michael Wanyoke. So uh, they have all earned their gold medal. And in order, order to achieve this milestone, uh, there were some pretty uh, awesome people that kind of helped them along this journey. And I want to show a short video that will uh, help explain that. people that have helped uh, inspire these young men to get uh, to accomplish what they've done uh, in Royal Rangers. So these three young men's lives have already been marked with many important thresholds and uh, moments such as birthdays and graduations, baptisms. Uh, there are also many more to come. Milestones like maybe more graduations, uh, some weddings, I mean, like way out there, like, like way out there, right? Important milestones. Their parents just said a big amen to that one. More birthdays, more special anniversaries. Uh, we also have many moments in our lives where the timing of life events is primarily defined by our culture. 
And what I mean by that, there are examples like getting their driver's license. How many of you guys got your driver's license? None of them. Look, okay, that's a big milestone they have to look forward to, right? But earning the right to vote at 18 years old, that's a big milestone coming. Of course, being able to legally drink alcohol at age 21, which I'm certainly not recommending, okay, or endorsing. Do you understand that? Gentlemen, look in my eyes, okay? But that is what culture, right, defines as some of these milestones where uh, these young men become men, right? Boys become men, okay? They're arbitrary and somewhat agnostic thresholds, and they certainly don't carry a spiritual significance, right? You don't have to be spiritual to get your driver's license, right? You just need to learn how to drive right, right? But uh, today, we do get to celebrate something very special. We get to celebrate a pivotal and important moment, and it's a really huge accomplishment in the lives of these three young men, and it's not simply a moment that's defined by our culture, but it's a moment that does indeed have a tremendous spiritual significance, since it does recognize them for completing a worthwhile journey along a trail of the gold medal. So before I ask them to come, I'd like to recognize a few people that certainly helped inspire their journey, just like that video showed and we watched, and they helped pave the way for these young men. So the first group of people I want to recognize is any leader who taught any one or all three of these young men in Royal Rangers over the years. If those leaders would just stand up, and you boys, I want you to look around and see these leaders that have impacted you. Stand up, guys. Give these leaders a big hand for the uh, impact that they've had on these young men. All right, you may be seated. I would like three of those leaders to make their way to the stage uh, who've had a, a tremendous impact, and they're going to help uh, with the ceremony. Faith Chestnut with the Ranger Kids she teaches. Steve Steffel is our district director for the Pendell District, all of Pennsylvania and Delaware, and we're blessed to have him as an adventure ranger commander as well in our local outpost. And finally, Nick Walters is our expedition ranger commander for the high school age boys, and uh, we're happy, happy to have them join us. And I would also like to ask our national Royal Rangers director, Carl Flake, to come on up, and he's going to help us administer some awards today as well. While they're getting situated, uh, I would like to recognize, I mentioned before we have 31 now boys at Outpost 284 in our church here that have earned the gold medal. Are there any of you out there that would like to be, I'm going to recognize you whether you'd like to be or not, but would you stand up? Any, any boy or leader that have earned their gold medal? There's one back there. He's got his uniform on, Doug Ravel. Thank you. <laughs> Trey Wilson. I see Zach. See uh, Clay, Stephen Edwards. Anybody else out there? All right. Now look up, look what's up on the board. If you ever forget that you earned a gold medal, you can always take a trip back to the cabin, and remind yourself that hey, I earned the gold medal of achievement. It's on the wall back there. We have a wall of honor for all of the gold medalists. So it's a pretty pretty neat thing. So uh, we do appreciate you guys, and you guys are also influencing uh, the young men that are coming up through this program, right? especially when they walk by that wall every Wednesday night, uh, we, we hope that they are inspired uh, to follow in the same foot, uh, footsteps that you have. So um, that's pretty awesome. So thank you for doing that, and thank you for being here. All right, with that, uh, we want to take a moment and just recognize some boys that are on the journey right now, and they have earned the highest award uh, in their age group. 
So we're going to do a little uh, moving of things around up here, and we're going to ask some boys to make their way to the stage if they are here. Uh, let's start with Aaron Ortensky. Is Aaron here? Come on up, Aaron. Give Aaron a big hand. Okay, we're gonna, we have some photo ops here, so uh, our official photographer, come on over. We'll have Faith present the award. This is the highest award in Ranger Kids called the Gold Trail Award. All right, congratulations, Aaron. All right, the next is Noah Samuel. Is Noah here? Come on up, Noah. Yeah, come on up, buddy. Congrats, man. Good. All right. Awesome. All right. Good job, Noah. Thank you. Okay, Boaz is out of town, and he got uh, awarded his medal Wednesday night. So Nathan Wanyoke, come on up. Nathan he earned his Gold Eagle Award in Discovery Rangers. Okay, we can do this one on this side since, there you go, awesome. Okay, good job. All right, and his older brother, Michael Wanyoke. Come on up, Michael. You might be asking. Why is this tall kid getting a, a Discovery Ranger Award? Well, you were allowed to go back one age group and earn if you kind of had some issues you needed to pick up, and he did it. Okay, we were right in the middle of COVID, and Michael went back and earned all of his Gold Eagle. Good job, Michael. All right, Michael, stay up here. Michael's going to need a trailer to get home today, I can tell you that. All right, Michael also earned... His Adventure Gold, which is the highest award in the Adventure Ranger program, which is middle school age boys. Congrats, Michael. All right, you can sit down now for a, a little bit. All right, next is Colin Vafakis. Come on up, Colin. Also earned his Adventure Gold. All right, good job, Colin. And we have one more that's here today, and that is Gideon Samuel. Gideon, come on up. Good job. All right, fantastic. These boys, are, that's a lot of work uh, to complete that highest award. It's usually two or three years worth of work. So excellent job, and they are on their trail to the gold medal. Fantastic. Okay, and Amani uh, is also out of town. He was uh, awarded his Adventure Gold Wednesday night in front of his peers, and they had a blast. I'll post a picture later on Facebook, and he was, like, biting the gold and all that good stuff. <laughs> Crazy kids, I'm telling you, but uh, it was fun. So, of course, we'd also like to thank all the family and friends that are here today to uh, that help celebrate and inspire these guys' journey to the gold medal. 
So at this point, uh, we'd like to congratulate all these young men and like to call uh, the names and introduce the parents and bring them right up on stage. And I'm going to be moving this out of the way so we can see them. So first is Josh Allen, and the parents are Dave and Jody. Come on up. If you guys can make your way over here, this can come this way. Okay, as we do a little moving around, let's jump to the next honoree tonight is Colin Vafakis and his parents, Aaron and Jeannie Vafakis. And you guys get center stage. No, they're actually over here. Center stage, we're having Michael Wanyoke and his parents, Michael Gutura and Charity Wanyoke. Come on up. Okay, young men, listen to me as I talk. Okay, a lot of time has passed since you've started your journey on the Ranger Advancement Trail. It's led you to this day. Think back and look back at the experiences that you've gained along the journey. Those memories are embedded in your mind, some probably more than others. And I'm sure that's the case for your leaders and parents, right? And there were some times we just wondered if this day would come. But it's here. So don't forget your experiences, and I hope that you've learned from the many challenges. So on behalf of your leaders, your parents, your friends, the pastor and board here at Praise, we rejoice in your transition from an ambitious boy to an accomplished young man, a leader, and a warrior for the kingdom of God. The ingredients of character building are found first and foremost in the Word of God and supported by the Ranger Code. And in many of the merits that you guys have earned along the way, uh, we trust that you will continue to achieve and advance in your walk with Christ in your lives. We're thankful that you've learned to apply the ingredients of Christ-like character to your life, and we pray that you will continue to do so moving forward. So your church, your family, your outposts and friends are indeed proud of you, and we are truly proud of you. Excellent job, guys. As a gold medalist, you have become a leader of the younger generation, so your picture will go up on that wall we just showed, and there's a lot of little ranger kids running around here now looking up to you. Say, look at that gold medalist. They're awesome. I want to be like them. Right, Colin? <laughs> okay, exactly. So you have become an example to our community as well, so let this moment be a reminder in your life to always strive for excellence in everything you do. I'm going to now ask... Uh, our national director uh, to, you can come on over here, Commander Carl, and you're gonna grab, he's gonna grab the mic and he's gonna do what we call the oath of the gold medal, real simple, uh, but it's an important part of our ceremony. So, Commander Carl. Amen, thank you. Gentlemen, I'm gonna um, give you an oath and I'm gonna ask you to repeat after me, okay? And then we're gonna say the Royal Ranger Pledge together. I, and say your name, do realize the obligation to my fellow man, my country, and my God. And I will at all times do my best to be a living example of the Royal Rangers Pledge and Code to the best of my ability. Gentlemen, would you raise your right hand? And would you repeat after me the Royal Ranger Pledge? With God's help, I... I will do my best to serve God, 
my church, and my fellow man, to live by the Ranger Code, and to make the golden rule my daily rule. Two. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. You stay right here. Okay. All right. Congratulations. There are very few gold medalists that have the oath administered by the national director. So it's a real honor, Carl, that you're here. Thank you. Thank you for that opportunity to uh, impact these boys' lives. So Josh, Colin, and Michael, the symbol of your journey and accomplishments is the gold medal of achievement. You're part of only 1% of the boys and rangers to receive that award. I'll now ask our national director to present the gold medal to your fathers. So if you can present each of the gold medals to their fathers first. Your father is the one who wisely counseled and advised you. He will hand the medal over to your mother. Isn't this great? Who in turn will now do the difficult work because we don't trust the fathers doing this. They will pen the medal over your heart, which is an awesome, awesome thing. So uh, do your best not to poke them too much and get back at all the things they did to you. So while they're pinning the uh, GMA, I'm going to ask uh, Commander Steve Steffel to make his way over to the podium here. And he's going to uh, read some proclamations. Thank you. Well, we've got uh, special proclamations from our uh, Newcastle County Executive and from the Governor of the State of Delaware. So first, we'll take a look at uh, the state of, Gov uh, state of Delaware, and then we'll uh, take a look at the Newcastle County Executive. So the State of uh, Delaware, the Office of the Governor, provides this tribute be it hereby known to all that John Carney, Governor of the State of Delaware, and Bethany Hall Long, Lieutenant Governor, extend sincere congratulations to Michael Wynoki, Colin Vavakis, and Josh Allen, who are recipients of the distinguished honor of the Royal Rangers Gold Medal of Achievement. On behalf of Delawareans across the first state, Governor Carney and Lieutenant Governor Paul Long commend Michael Wanyoki and Colin Vakakis and Josh Allen for their hard work and dedication demonstrated in achieving this honor. This tribute brings with it sincere congratulations on this extraordinary accomplishment and best wishes for the future. Now, impressed, uh, it's a little more impressive from our executive from uh, Newcastle County in that they also included some important things about the Royal Rangers. So I'll read just the first paragraph, but in, in our government to include this uh, is impressive. Whereas the Royal Rangers program is an activity-based small group church ministry for boys and young men in grades K to 12, their mission is to evangelize, equip, and empower the next generation of Christ-like men and lifelong servant leaders. They provide Christ-like character formation and servant leadership development for boys and young men in a highly relational and fun environment. And it continues on, but what I really like is that they did not take out Christ-like. And uh, so they're recognizing our boys for actually their spiritual development too. So that's from the executive of uh, 
Newcastle County, Matthew Meyer. So we've got uh, recognition for, from both the governor and from the Newcastle County Executive. All right, give him a big hand. That's pretty awesome stuff. All right, yeah, yeah give him to the dad. Yeah, if uh, Commander Steve's going to hand these proclamations to the dads, they can take care of them uh, for today. We also uh, had a lot of ranger leaders and uh, dignitaries put together a package of congratulation letters for each of the boys. So uh, they'll each get one of those to, to uh, have and to hold. So that's pretty awesome. So while he's doing that, young men, I want to talk to you again. Okay, while he's giving you those. And recognition of the many hours of patience guidance given by your mother toward your efforts, would you please present her with your gift of appreciation for all she means to you? And I expect some hugs here, all right? I really do. I mean, there you go. You got to hold that hug long enough for the picture. So don't, yeah, don't depart from that hug too soon. Did you get them all, Holly? Okay, good, good. All right, and in recognition of the counseling and wisdom given by your father, would you please present him with a Royal Rangers gift? Man, these boys did a lot of shopping this week. All right. And now, uh, why don't we go ahead and have the parents uh, be seated. Um, thank you for your uh, participation and all that you've done to inspire your young men. Awesome job, raising some awesome young men, right? Give them a big hand to the parents. Okay, so now we have one more part where we uh, like to just recognize the boys for the hard work. There's some gifts from the outpost and from the national director. So at this point, uh, we're going to recognize uh, the boys with some gifts. So why don't we start uh, with the hats by the... Uh, National Director, these are cool hats. I heard they're called trucker hats, right, or trucker caps, and I had to ask the young men, are they, are they cool now? Because uh, they were cool when I was 15. So they're back. So good job, guys. And then we have one more special, special uh, gift from the outpost. Yeah, good stuff. I'm going to have the uh, outpost leaders, if they would also present this gift. It's a customized uh, wooden box with a a pocket knife that has their name engraved in it. And uh, inside of the box, uh, it also has the, the motto, a Royal Rangers ready, ready for anything. Ready to work, play, serve, worship, live, and obey God's word. So guys, as you get these gifts, uh, these things, you can decide whether you want to use it and go tear it up and start whittling with it, or just keep it as a keepsake, right? But the box that it's in is a reminder just to you guys that, uh, that you'll always be ready to serve, uh, even though you got your gold medal, there's still a lot to do, right? So with that, once again, congratulations. Thank everyone for uh, coming today and recognizing these guys. And you may be seated. Pastor. The Bible says to give honor where honor is due. And that's what we've just done. Recognizing young men, and I hope it'll be an encouragement to them to become godly older men. Older, not old, older men, and eventually godly old men who can do what Paul had written to Titus, again, to hand all of their faith down to the next generation by example. 
not just curriculum, not just even by the word, but by example, living faithful, godly lives in front of them. Amen. Thank you for your patience with us. You know, some of you may not have boys this age and you may not even have been that interested in what we did, but this is really crucial because as you know, we live in a society today that is immersed in what has been labeled gender confusion. There's just a lot of confusion. And one of the things that Rangers does is bring clarity to life through the word of God and through godly leaders. So thank you to all of our Ranger leaders from Praise Assembly. Thank you for what you do week after week so faithfully. God bless you. Thank you for serving. What I want to do at this time, and we, we haven't done it in a long time, is this, I want to have another offering today just for Rangers, just for the Ranger ministry. I mean, there are things that they need. Uh, there are things we can always need, some, maybe some fresh tents when the others get worn out. They're always active, uh, some archery. There's things that we'd like your help with. So whether you have a boy in the program or not, I'd ask you just give a little something, if you would, for them. Will the ushers prepare themselves? And I'm going to pray, and then you can enjoy a, a wonderful slideshow we want to show you as the offering is being received. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this ministry. I thank you for every leader and their involvement at each level. Lord, I thank you for their faithfulness. And I thank you, Lord, that today we can partner with them. Lord, that we can provide some extra funds for the things that they need, for tools, for activities, Lord, I pray, God, that you just bless each one as we give these gifts to you today. In Jesus' name, amen.
Praise the Lord. Amen. I don't want to make Michael self-conscious about his height, but did you see the secret? Did you see the secret to, to, to being healthy? Is that broccoli? Everybody spotted that broccoli. That is it. That's the answer. Praise God. Hey, listen, we are blessed again this year. Last year we had an open house. We had renovated the cabin, the Royal Ranger cabin, and uh, our guest today is back again a year later, but only because we were at a conference all weekend uh, up in Harrisburg, and so he's, he agreed to stay over one more night and be with us, and I'm, I'm so blessed. We're so blessed. I'm so honored. So now we're going to hear the Word of God. Carl Flight, come and minister to us, would you? you? Come and yes. share. <laughs> Jump on Thank you. Good morning. Thank you so much for the honor and the privilege of being able to be with you again this morning. Gentlemen, those of you who just got your gold medal, I want to say to you congratulations again. What an honor that is. And in my letter that I gave you, I, I quote a verse. It's Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, which says this. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you is going to bring it to completion. Until that day of Christ Jesus. That's something we can stand on in our life and be very confident of that God is not through working with you. This is just, I look at it as not as an accomplishment and now you're done. But it's really a stepping stone to where God is going to take you next. And that's the promise of God and the secret of God is in each and every one of our lives. That we are never going to run out of, of opportunities and things that God has for us as he develops us and keeps working in us to make us exactly who he created us to be. God has a plan and a purpose in each of our lives and, and we need to stay, stay true to that. Every one of you leaders, men and ladies who, who pour into the lives of these boys and these young ladies in the girls ministry program, thank you. Thank you so much for your time and your dedication. I know, you know, Wednesday nights or when, when, the, when the groups meet, you know, you're coming from a full day of work and oftentimes you're rushing home to wolf down a quick bite to eat and then off to church you go so that you can mentor and you can pour into the lives of these young men. But you see the results of that. And you have the ability to be able to know that what you do makes a difference as it creates and it sets the trajectory of those boys' lives. And so thank you to each one of you who do that. Pastor, to you and your staff, the board, who, who see that as a value. Thank you for that. That is, that is incredible. And you are blessed to be in a church that values that and, and understands that and sees that. You know, these young men, as we're looking at those pictures, and I saw the, the, the trophy 2018, I'm thinking, wow, that was a long time ago. Doesn't that seem like a long, it's not a long time ago, but it seems like a long time ago. Our world has gone through so much, hasn't it? It's been a year since I've been here. And when you think back on the past events and all that has taken place in the past year, but you go back beyond that, the generation that's coming up right now, they do not know what normal is. Think about that. Ever since 9-11 and moving forward with the wars and with, the, with finances and, and the economy and, and all of the different things, COVID and the, and the pandemic and all of those different things, this, the, this generation that, that, that we're seeing coming up in, into adulthood right now, they've never, they don't know what normal is. It's just been one thing after the other and after the other. And for us as adults, it's the same thing. It's, it's as we look at that, we wonder what in the world is happening and what's taking place. And this morning, just in the few minutes that I have, I want to share and challenge you with something that I believe is very appropriate and very timely for us as believers in our world today. Because see, it's possible for us to look at all of these events 
It's possible to look at all of the, the uncertainty and, and now we're watching recession and, and inflation and all of those different things happening and, and we can kind of get sideways about that. You know, it can really throw us off of our game and, and, and all of that. But, but at the same time, I want to bring a word to you to remind you that this isn't anything new to God. And that God knows exactly what's going on and what's happening. You see in Isaiah chapter 43, the prophet Isaiah is writing to the, to the children of Israel. And he says this to them. He says, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? And he goes on to say, I am making a way in the wilderness and streams into wasteland. The context of that verse there is, is the nation of Israel, which is the, the ten tribes, they were going, they, they had turned their back on God and they had walked away from God and, and they were not serving God whatsoever and, and doing anything like that. However, um, as, as you look at that, the, 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 the southern tribes, they had, they had, had godly kings and, and serving God and, and staying faithful to the truth. And then Manasseh comes along who was not godly. And so people are looking and the, the nation had turned their back on God and they weren't sure what was going on. And, and they're wondering what is, what is happening. You see, at times like this, it's possible for us when we look at, at the world and at the times around us of change and all, to wonder or question about the hand of God. To wonder about his plan and his purposes. To wonder why events and circumstances happen as they do. I have in the last year, as I shared already, wondered myself sometimes, why are some things going the way that they go or do what they do? But like the prophet of Isaiah, here's what I do know. God has different times and different seasons. A year ago seems like a long time ago. And it can seem like that. To, but to God, it's just a wrinkle in time. What is happening in our world and what is all going on is not a surprise to them. Just as he created the fall and the winter, the spring and the summer, he has seasons. And as our world goes through these things, these are all part of the process and the plan and, and, and the order of what he knows is going to happen. While he doesn't create those things to happen or cause those things to happen, he's not surprised by them happening. And this morning, I want to just remind or, or review with you, if I might, a few moments, the attributes of who is the God that we serve. Number one, we know that God is an omniscient, which means all-knowing God. In Joshua chapter 22, verse 22, he says this, The mighty one, God the Lord, the mighty one, God the Lord, he knows. There is absolutely nothing that God does not know. He is all-knowing. He knows everything. Psalms 139 verse 4 says, Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, Lord. God is not surprised by the events of our world. He's not surprised by the pandemic or by the things that, that might seem to come out of nowhere and, and, and blindside us. God knows the events and he knew 50 years ago this church would be here. He knew you would be here. He knows what you're going through right now, and he knows what next week and next year holds for us. It's important us to be aware that the God we serve is a God who knows all things. The second thing we know about God, he's omnipotent, which means that he's all-powerful. He can control the events that take place around us. Nothing happens without his knowledge. Nothing happens without his purpose or without his permission. The Bible tells us that he brings up kings and he puts people in places of authority and he takes them out. And sometimes they're godly leaders and sometimes they're not. But if you're in a place and if, if, if events are happening, we know that our God is in control of it. The word says that the steps of the righteous are ordered of God. 
That means as I go through my life as a child of God, because I've made a decision, or you go through your life as a child of God, you've made a decision for Christ in your life that you're going to live for him. You know at that moment that the plans he has for you, the purposes that he's created you for, are going to come about. Philippians 1, 6, that I just shared with you gentlemen a few moments ago. Being confident of this. Notice the wording. It's not we're going to hope that way. We're going to pray that way. We're going to believe that way. It's being confident of this. He who began the good work in you, and that was at the moment where you asked Christ to come into your life, he, he, when he began that work in you, will bring it to completion until that day of his return. And that's a confidence we know. And God is all powerful so he can make that happen. And the last thing that, of God's attributes that I think are so incredible for us to keep in our mind is that he's omnipresent. That means he's everywhere. No matter where you are, no matter what you're facing, no matter what, what's going on in your life, you know that he's there. I love what the psalmist says. He says, where can I go to hide? If I go to the highest place, the highest mountain, you are there. If I go into the darkest, most remote corner, you are there. To the deepest depths, you are there. So we need to remember whatever has happened, God is there. God is with us and he doesn't leave us or forsake us. He's here now and he will continue to be with us. And here's something else I know about God. I know that God is a God of order. While the world may seem to be out of order and, and, and sometimes things are going and just chaotic, we know that he is a God of order. We know that because we look at what he did. When he created our world, he created an order. Light and darkness he created first. And then the heavens and the sky and the earth and the vegetation. And, and, and he put all of these places in, in, in place and he did them all in the right order. And he created that. He had a plan and a timetable for Israel. As we read the Old Testament, we see that. That's part of the purpose of the Old Testament. Is we can look at it with the gift of hindsight. And we can see how God was moving. And, and even in that situation there, God is in control. And he's taking care of things. And things are walking, working according to his plan. We may not always understand or agree with that plan. We may wonder, why in the world did you do it that way, God? But we know that he is a God of order. And that he is in control of that. He had a plan and a timetable for the rest of the world as well. Romans chapter 5 verse 6. Let me give another verse. At just the right time, the Bible says, while we were yet still powerless or still powerless, Christ died for us and died for the ungodly. And so there was a, there's, a, there's a definiteness about that. When God sent his son, the world had existed for a period of time. From the creation until the time that Jesus, sent, or Jesus was sent into the earth as a child. But the Bible says at the right time, he came into the world to die for our sins. And everything about God is, is just on time. And one day we know he's going to return. That's already scheduled. People have been saying that for a long time. And it's easy for us to sit there and wonder. We don't understand the timetable of God. But we do know that he has a timetable and that he is faithful to that. So doesn't it stand the reason that God has a plan for us and a timetable to accomplish it in us? So if that's, what we're, if that's what we understand, these foundational truths that are in our lives, how do we live our life? How is it that we as believers in this time of chaos, in this time of uncertainty, and we question things, how, how are we supposed to live? Well, Isaiah gives us a solution. He says this. He says, see, I am doing a new thing. And then he asks the question, don't you see it? Don't you see it? Notice the last part of that verse. Isaiah is asking, don't you see it? 
Israel had been, had been, hasn't been serving God for a long time in the context of that verse. They, they'd had evil king after evil king after evil king. And, and the, the, the nation that had started off serving God, that God delivered them out of Egypt and carried them into the promised land. That, that nation is just, it, it's, it's in, in chaos. And, the, and Judah, the other part of the nation, the other two uh, tribes there, they, they had godly kings, but also now they had Manasseh, who was not a godly king, who was evil. And in the midst of that, God speaks to Isaiah and gives him this verse. He says, it wasn't a verse, but a word. I am doing a new thing. Do you not see it? See, it all appeared evil. It all appeared hopeless to the, to the residents and, the, and the, the people of Israel. No hope, but God later on, we know again from hindsight, turns the heart of Manasseh back to God. And so God's telling the people, don't, don't be concerned about all of these things. I'm in control. You see, it's, in the, it's possible for us in the midst of our difficulties to miss what God is doing. God is challenging the Israelites to look forward. And I believe that's the challenge that God has for us and for every one of his children all the time. When we go through difficult times, when you're going through times that aren't working out as we had hoped or it's of extreme or, or, or it's, it, it's just, it doesn't seem to make sense. For us, it's of extreme importance to remember who our God is and what he's promised us. A lot of Christians today wander through life never reaching their potential. Never coming fully to that place in Christ because they lose their perspective. And that's really the point of this verse. And that's, that's what God is saying to us. The focus has shifted from God and what he can do to the circumstances that's happening all around them. And when we do that, there is something tragic that happens. Because as believers, we're called to have confidence, to rely in our confidence on God and on the expectancy in his ability. Listen to the words. The confidence in God and the expectancy of his ability. I know God is going to work. I don't know when. I don't know how. But I know he's going to work. I know that he's in control. And when we can be manipulated into looking anywhere else but at our God. And, and start thinking of things other than the facts that we know from scripture. We find ourselves on shaky ground. We find ourselves on shifting sand. And our foundation is, is challenged. Isaiah is challenging us. He says, I'm doing a new thing. We are three weeks into the new year. I love the new year. I love the fact, time. I, I found myself contemplating this some time ago. Is, did time exist before the creation of the world? Or does it exist because of the creation of the world? I, I wonder about these things sometimes. You know, I get in my quiet times and my studies and, and, and all of that. Do we have time because God created the, the earth that revolves around the sun? And, 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 and so that gives us our seasons and our years and our day is because it, it, it's spinning. And, and so time exists. Or did time exist before that? I, I think time existed before that. That was just our measurement of that time. And, and the way that goes in there. But regardless of that, we do know that God is in, the, in control there. And when we look at that and, and we look at the timing and, and all of that, it becomes important for us to be aware of what it is that God is doing. He says, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not see it? You see, vision is the ability to see with expectancy that which is not yet. In fact, Proverbs tells us where there's no vision, what happens to people? They perish. They perish. They lose hope. And that's why, again, perspective and vision is so important for us. As we go through this time, we're in this new year. The new year gives us the hope of something else. Last year's gone. Reality, you know, some of you, you didn't stay up to see the ball drop. You went to bed and got up the next day. It was just another day. 
You know, I mean, you go from the one day to the next day. But there is something about that new year. It's the promise of something new. It's the promise of something different. And that's the hope that God speaks to us about. He says, I'm doing a new thing. He's always working. He's always in control. There's always something that's going. And as believers, we can look at the circumstances around us, but we have the knowledge to know that there is God is in control and he's working through things. And that gives us the ability to keep going. When you boil it down, there's really two perspectives in life you can have. You can live by faith, which is that confident expectancy of God's involvement and direction. Or you can live by fear, which means you have no confidence, no expectancy, and you're just really a ship on the sea tossed back and forth by the wind and the waves. When our vision is focused, or where our vision, excuse me, is focused determines what it is that we, what we see and what happens in our lives. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Remember the, the you remember Job? Maybe you, you know Job in the, in the Bible. There's a book, an entire book about Job. And in that story of Job, we look at that. His, that, his life is a, is a lot of woe and a lot of lament and a lot of heartache and a lot of brokenness. It was interesting. One day I'm reading Job and in Job chapter 3 verse 25 and 26, here's what Job says. He says, what I feared has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened to me. I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest, but only turmoil. Job lived in fear. He lived in fear throughout the book. It's a lament followed by all of these woes and oh, it's me and, and, and all of that. And that's exactly where he finds himself in. It isn't until chapter 38, chapter 38 of that book. That, the first part of that book, you know, you're just like, oh, Lord Jesus. You know, it's just, it just, oh, he's just going on and on. In chapter 38, God finally starts speaking to Job. And what does he say? He's recounting his sovereignty. What we just did here this morning. He's telling him, I'm all powerful. I'm all knowing. I'm ever present. And all these things that are happening in your life, I'm in the midst of those with you. You're not facing those alone. And he's talking, and after four chapters of him sharing of who he is, God's talking to Job and and doing that. Finally, Job acknowledges God's ability in, in chapter 42, the first six verses. And he begins to understand that. Contrast that with the apostle Paul. Listen to what Pastor Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul says and, and, and listen to it with, the, with, the, with a focus on what is his perspective. Here's what he says. I live in eager expectation while I'm going through these trials. That's Philippians chapter 1 verse 20. I live in eager expectation while I'm going through these trials. He's the one who in, in other places says count it all joy when you go through trials. What's that all about? I think last time when I was here, we talked a little bit about that, the perspective and, 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 and that. Paul had a, an entirely different perspective. He lived in the confidence that God was involved and that nothing was happening without his approval and his awareness. That it would somehow fulfill a purpose and a plan that God has. And so as he's going through that, it's kind of like the person who goes through the midst of a storm, but he knows that, you know what, this boat's unsinkable. He knows that this boat is, 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 and while it's being tossed and it's being shaken and, and all of that, that, man, as long as I'm in this boat, I'm okay. Eventually, the storm's going to come to an end and we're going to keep on going. It's that confident assurance to know who he is in Christ. And that's what he does. Philippians 1.12, what has happened to me, he says, is to serve for the advancement of the gospel. There's that eternal perspective. Galatians 6, nine. he says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, what's going to happen? We will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Do you see the difference between the two? 
And it's, it's, it's incredibly important to him. So Peter's talking to us and, and, and going through. The, the, the example, we know the story well of Peter in the boat, right? There, there, you know, Jesus is walking out there. There's a storm going and, and Jesus is walking across the lake on the water. And they see him and they cry out to him and they say, you know, help us. And then Peter's the one who says, if it is you, God, tell me to come out to you. And so, of course, Jesus says to him, he says, come, which was a command to him. And so Peter walks out there on the water. As long as his eyes are fixed on Christ, he's on top of his situation. He's walking on the water. It's when his eyes get off of that and he starts to look at the wind and the wave and we know he starts to worry about him. I, I was sharing this weekend with the, with the leaders up there. I said, think about that. When, when he got out, the hardest, the hardest step is that first step. You know, you got to get that courage to get those legs over the side of the boat when the winds are blowing and the waves are and the boat's rocking and all of that. But he finally gets the courage up and he gets out and he takes that first step. And oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm not going down. It's working. And then he gets that other one. And we know he's walking towards Christ. So he's already experiencing the miracle. And, and, and get this. How does that water hold him up? Who cares? It's not his problem. That's God's problem. All he has to do is do what? Walk towards Christ. And so he's out there walking on this water. And we know he's, he's gone a distance. Don't know how far he went. Don't know how far Jesus was from the boat. The boat we don't get those details. But it, it was far enough that he'd been walking at least several steps. And in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, once I got past that first one, but once I got my feet over the edge, you know, and, then, and I got that first one. And by the time I've taken two or three, I'm thinking, this is working. But somewhere along the journey, what happens? The Bible says he starts to look at the wind and the waves. God's taking you, care of you from here to here. What are you looking at the wind and the waves for? Because we know this because when he goes down and he sinks, he takes his eyes off of Jesus and he starts sinking. What does Jesus do? He comes along and he grabs him by the hand and he pulls him back up. Beautiful picture of our Lord. He doesn't slap him upside the back of the head and say, you idiot, what are you doing? Look what I did for you. You know, you're a loser. No, he doesn't do anything like that. He picks him up. And he says, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? What happened? His perspective changed. He'd been looking at Christ. And as long as he was looking at Christ, what shouldn't have been able to happen was happening. What should have been getting on top of him, he was on top of. It wasn't until he took his eyes off Christ and he lost his perspective that he began to sink. But what a beautiful picture that in the midst of that failure, Jesus still comes along, grabs him by the hand, picks him up. Come on, we're going to get there. And he takes him back to the boat. What a beautiful picture as he's doing that. That's, that's the picture of, of, of where we need to be. Here's what I know. When I keep my perspective correct, and as, 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 as I'm coming, I'm landing the plane here, okay? As I keep my perspective correct, number one, it increases my ability. If my perspective is correct, I can do more than I should be able to do. Peter shouldn't have been able to walk on the water. But when his perspective was on Christ, it increased his ability and he was able to go beyond that. Paul says this, to this end I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me, in Colossians. 
as my perspective is on there, that which I shouldn't be able to do, I'm going to be able to do because my God is able. Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. All things. Number two, if I keep my perspective correct, it honors God. Matthew 14, 32, when those who were in the boat worshiped or, or saw that, they were worshiping him saying, truly, you are the son of God. Had Peter gotten out of the boat and sunk right away? Well, God, you can do it, but yeah, okay, you know. <laughs> but when they saw that, what did it do? It brought honor to God. When you and I live with the perspective, when things are darkest and we as believers keep the positive, we still see the, we still walk with that confident assurance. We're going, we're being tossed about too. We're to being, being going, you know, through the uncertain times and all of that. But what makes us stand out in the midst of that is that quiet confidence, that peace that passes understanding. And when people look at that and they say, how can you do that? You know, years ago, shortly after I became a Christian, became a Christian I, was a, I was a senior in high school when I, when I became a Christian. And then, and then I started going to Bible college and started learning the word and, and all of these different things. Um, I, I was working my way through there as a waiter at Denny's. Made the, it paid the bills. Um, and, and I can remember we'd get through these, these dinner rushes. You know, where, where you get slammed and, and everybody's coming in and, and people are people. You know how that goes. They're, they're rude. You know, there's 14 of them that walk in at the same time and they all want to be served right now. You know, kind of thing. And you're going through all of that stuff. And, and we had a little prep area that was, there was a little a wall between us and the customers. And the prep area where we'd get the salads and the drinks and all that ready. And then you had the cook line back behind there. And man, those waitresses walk in and they would throw their baskets and they'd say all kinds of things and, 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 and upset. And I can remember thinking, you know what? I can't go there. I shouldn't be like that. And I'd pray and I'd say, Lord, help me not to lose my temper. Because I used to have a bad temper. And I'd say, Lord, help me not to lose my temper. And, and as I walked through that, he would help me to do that. And I can remember, I worked there for a number of, probably about three years on and off between college. Every time I came home from college, I, if I needed the job, they'd they'd have my job waiting for me. And I was able to walk, work, work there again and then I'd leave and go back to college. And, and I can remember I'd been there for a little while and, and the waitresses were saying, how come you don't ever lose your temper? Because they'd see people being rude and all of that. And I'd say, <laughs> you have no idea. But I'd say, you know what, I, I, my, my, I, I pray. And they knew I was a Christian. They knew I was studying to be a pastor and, and all of that. But the point being, it wasn't that, oh man, you're doing so good. It was the difference that stood out. And when you're in a world where everything's being shaken and you're in a world where everything is, is, is uncertain and you walk with a confidence, not because it's not happening to you, but because you know where your future is, you know where your support is, you know where your source is, that makes you stand out in the crowd. And when you stand out in the crowd, now all of a sudden there's a reason for people to come to you and ask you for the hope that is inside of you. What is it about you? How come you don't ever get scared? How come they're doing all of these layoffs? And, and I know your job's on the line, but wh wh why are you walking in that confidence? Because this job is in my source. If this closes, my God is my source. And if he shuts one window, he's going to open another door or however he's going to do it. It's that confident assurance to know that our God is really in control. So number one, it increases my ability. Number two, it honors God. 
And number three, it encourages others. When you see God using someone in a great way, doesn't it make you want to step up and do that too? Say, Lord, help me. I want to be that person too. I want to do that too. So keeping the right perspective is a matter of choice for us. We choose to keep that perspective. We choose to be able to do that. All of that is available to us. All of that is right there for us. But the choice is ours. The word says in, ten, in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We know that's going to happen. He's going to chip away at us. He's going to battle us. But it's our job to keep going. And he'll try to cause us to lose our, our focus. So here's what I want to challenge you to do. Number one, forget the past. That's what he starts off with. He says, forget the past. Get, put it behind you. You see, when, when I'm looking at the past, I can't see what's ahead. I can't have the proper perspective. Have you ever tried? Those of you who are learning, going to be learning to drive, don't drive with your eyes in the rearview mirror. That's not a good way to move down the road. You keep your eyes forward or, or don't look at your phone. It's the same kind of thing, you know? It's just, you, 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 you got to keep your eyes forward because that's where you make progress. Forget the former things, he says. Don't look on the past. Our focus has to be, folks, on where God has taken us. Our focus has to be on, what are you doing now, God? You see the mindset shift? It's not like, oh my God, what are you doing? It's, what are you doing now, God? How are you going to work this out? Because, not my problem, it's his. And you go through life doing that. I've come to realize this, that the good old days really aren't that great of a good old days. You know, sometimes we like, to, oh man, I remember those days when, when, when you do that. We saw that in the, in the Israelites. They got out in the desert and all of a sudden they were getting thirsty and they were getting hungry. And what are they saying? It was better back in Egypt. Well, they forgot about the beatings. They forgot about the hard days of labor. They just, they're, they're saying, oh, we want to go back to Egypt. At least we had food there. And yet, what is God? All along, God already had the solution. When they needed water, he'd bring it out of a rock if he had to. If they needed food, he was delivering food. And so keeping that, forget the past, forget the former times. And focus on trying to make things like, you know, like they were. Instead, focus on where God is going. God wants to move. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that he wants to take us from glory to glory to glory. He always has something more for us in our lives. And as we're walking through, they're keeping our focus on that. Number two, look for God's ways. Focus on the possibilities. Verse 19 says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Don't you see it? He's challenging him to look up. What is the new thing? I'm doing something new. Our first reaction in crisis or change is what? Negative. That's our default. It's my default anyways. And we think, oh my goodness, I was good the way it was. But how do we know? If God's doing it, if God's in control, we know he's going to make things better. So we keep that in mind. Can I share one more story? I know I'm, 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 we're, 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 I got to let you get to lunch. But I want you to get this. Second Kings, the story of the widow. She owed a great debt. Her husband died, owed a lot of money. And the debtors were coming. And, and, and in the culture of Israel, the context of that, they had the right to take her sons. Her sons were her retirement program. Because her sons, as, as she got older and as they got older and started earning a living, they would take care of mom until her dying day. But the debtors had the right to come and take those sons and put them into indentured servanthood. In other words, now those sons were going to be working not to take care of mom, but to repay the bill of her husband who had died. And she's in this hopeless place. There's no way to pay the bill. It's, it's, it's huge. She, she, there's, there's no hope of being able to, to, to do that. And the prophet comes up to her and he says, what do you have? 
And she does what is normal. She says, I don't have anything. I have nothing. But I want you to see something. There's a slight shift that happens in that story that makes all the difference in the world to her and her future and the future of her kids and to us today. Because she says, I have nothing but a little bit of oil. Thank God that there was that little bit of oil. Because that's all God needs. And, and she says, I don't have anything. And there's a shift that happens there. She starts out negative, but she doesn't stay there. And it's so important. It's just taking that step. The Bible says if you have faith the size of a mustard seed. When I was in Israel, I, got, I, I was able to pick up a couple of mustard seeds. They're tiny. And, and they're so small. But the Bible says if you have enough faith for that, the miracle of feeding the 5,000 started with a fish and a few loaves of bread. When you look at God of possibilities, you suddenly move from the natural to the supernatural. When you take your little bit and you lay it in front of him and you say, I don't have anything but this. You open the possibility and the opportunity for God to be able to move. The lack of faith says nothing. The, the, the perspective of faith says, but a little bit of oil. And you know the story. He said, tells her, go get some jars. Go get some pots. And so she goes out and she borrows pots from her neighbors and, and, and containers and jars and all of that stuff. An interesting part of that story is as she's collecting those, she brings them all back. Can you imagine what the neighbors were saying? What's she going to do with all of this? Why do you need that? But she doesn't tell anyone. She just collects all of those things. Then the Bible says that the, the prophet commands her to start pouring the oil out of that little bit of jar, that little bit of oil out of that jar. And she starts pouring. And you know the story. It just keeps pouring and it keeps pouring and it keeps pouring. And the Bible says that it's pouring. And then she, she gets to this, this, this final jar. She's pouring it in. She goes, where's it? Any more? And they said, we have no more. And the Bible says the oil stopped. I want you to get this. The oil flowed in accordance with the provision that she made. What if she'd only got half a dozen jars? Hey, he said, just get some jars. That's a lot of work to go around all my neighbors and convince them to give me their jars. What if she'd only got a few jars? That's all the oil she would have had. But she got a lot of jars. And then the story was, she, basically, she was able to take that oil, sell it. I bought some olive oil. I was, this, this, this past fall, I had the privilege of going to Jeru uh, Israel. I'd do an, do an Israel tour. It's the first time. It was a bucket list item. My wife and I went to there. And, and while we were there, we bought some um, uh, olive oil. That stuff's expensive. I don't know what it was back in her day, but she sold that. And the Bible says she had more than enough to not only pay off the debt, but to live on it the rest of her life. But it flowed to the provision she made. So look for the possibilities. Look for the possibilities. And then finally live with that positive expectation that God is about to do something. I don't know the plans of God, but I know the God who has those plans. And understanding that and, and, and rehearse. That's why I rehearse those attributes of God. When you walk out of these doors, you walk out of these doors not alone. And I wish I, I, I didn't have the, I, I was almost tempted to preach a message I preached yesterday to the, because we need to hear that. You are a child of God. That's what the word says. That you are a child of God. God gave you the ability to be called children of God. And Romans says not only because you are a child of God, you are also an heir of God. And a co-heir with Jesus Christ. When you walk out of here, you walk out of here realizing, man, I w there's nothing I wouldn't do for my kids. 
My kids are grown and living on their own. And, but you know what? Every now and then they run in. Just not too long ago, my son, has, he lost his job. And he had to transition to another while he was looking for another job. So he calls and he says, can you help with rent? No. <laughs> no way. It's like, how much do you need? And we sent him his rent money. You need some for food too? He didn't ask for food money. But that's what the parent does. You want your kids to do the best. How much more our God is going to do that for you, his child. Amen? Amen. Walk with that positive expectation. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. It's 2023. It's a brand new year. Gold medal recipients. It's a brand new part of your life. As you walk through this part, walk with an expectation. What has God got for me next? Because he has plans for you to prosper you and not to harm you to give you a hope in the future. And for each and every one of us, that's the promise of God for us. What makes the difference? Our perspective. Keep your eyes on Christ. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word that guides us and directs us. Thank you that you are indeed a God who never leaves us or forsakes us. That, Lord, you are faithful and true to your word. And these aren't the words of a man. These aren't the words of, of, of our ideas. But, God, they come out of your word. Your Bible, which is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that we can stand on those with a confident assurance. And so, Lord, for each and every one of us, we pray, help us to keep our perspective on you. As those winds blow and the waves blow, they're real. Nobody's saying that they aren't. But we know that you are bigger than those. And you are greater than the circumstances around us. And that, God, our life is in your hands. And you will guide us. Continue to do that in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Carl. Hallelujah. Amen. I want us to pray one more time before we leave, and I want you to stand with me. In Hebrews 12, 2, this came to mind. Whenever someone else is preaching than me, I'm always, I've got my Bible app open, and I'm looking at things, and came upon Hebrews 12, 2. Let us fix our eyes upon Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith. Author meaning the initiator, perfecter meaning the completer, the beginning and the end of our faith. He's, he's the beginning and the end of our faith. And I love that perspective. We've got to be looking at him. Some of you may be going through a hard time right now. You may be going through a challenge. We've got to keep our eyes on him. And then also, you know, when things are going great, don't allow the distractions of all the good stuff happening to you to get your eyes off him either. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, I pray right now, God, for anyone here this morning, or maybe, maybe one of us knows someone going through a really difficult time. Help us to convey, to share this message with them, or, or to, to point them to it on, on, our, on our YouTube channel or, or through our website, Lord. They'd hear this encouraging word, because the, the, your word is truth, and we've been pointed to the truth today that we need to fix our eyes on you. Lord Jesus, we need to look to you, no matter what's going on in our life, to never relegate you to second place, but you are first and first of all. And Lord, you will see us through. You are the initiator. You're the author of the faith that we have. And you're the perfecter. You're the completer of the faith that we have. And so our trust is in you and in you alone. Our faith is not in faith. Lord Jesus, our faith is in you. And I pray, God, that you would help each one of us to leave here today encouraged and to know that your hand is in our lives, that you are watching over us right now. Lord, I pray your blessing upon us, upon your people, in Jesus' name. 
Amen and amen. And God bless.